Senhor, no other name. No other name. There's nobody like you. You are holy. <laughs> You're good. Abounding in loving kindness. Slow to anger. Thank you, Father. We bless your name. Do all that you please, Holy Spirit. This is your time. Come and equip, encourage, exhort your people, admonish us, whatever you want to do. That Jesus may be glorified in this city, that Jesus, that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth, and we want to be a part of spreading the glory. We want to co-labor with you, Father. We want to see what you're doing and do it, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all can be seated. A couple of things I wanted to, uh, our good friend of the house, personal friend, Randall Baker, is a new, new granddaddy. First time granddad. And uh, Katie and Judge, if you didn't hear in the beginning, they had a son named Kellen Randall Johnson. And uh, is Judge's dad's name Ra Randall too? Randy. That's, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. So we will always just rejoice over, over new birth of any kind. <laughs> um, I also had a uh, word for uh, one person, my man in the blue stripes right there. Uh, what's your name? Matthew? Matthew, um, first of all, when we give a prophetic word, we tell people, if you've never, if this is your first time here, we prophesy in part. We don't have like a whole picture. We're also human. We're fallible. So when we give a word and you're just like, I totally don't like that word, you can toss it in the trash can. That's between you and the Lord. But we, we do, we want to encourage a culture where people are taking risk to, to, to prophesy, to encourage words of knowledge, that kind of thing. You have to you have to be able to at least try, and so we want to create that environment. So anyways, that being said, Matthew, whatever, you take this to the Lord. And, um, and then if there's something that we did wrong or hurt you or whatever, you can always talk to us about that as well. We want, we want feedback, good or, good or bad. We like good a little bit better, but anyways. Um, but Matthew, I saw you in an incub incubator, like the Lord had you in a, uh, like in an egg, but there was something that he was birthing in you, but he was accelerating it. And so it's not, it was, uh, I just, so I really see God's acceleration on your life where um, there's like a hunger and even thirst for the word that's almost supernatural, that he's increasing in you. And, um, and that, that's just, as you feel these promptings of the Lord to, hey, open your Bible right here, or hey, go, go do this, go do that. That's going, you're going to cooperate with the acceleration. And uh, he just wants to, this is like a big download time for you. But I also felt like the Lord was, um, any, any areas where you may have felt like abandoned or rejected or betrayed or something like that, I saw the Lord like, it was like you were this single egg that was by itself and the Lord took you and put you under that incubator. Say so his hand came and got you and he just wants you to know his hands on your life. You're not alone. You're not rejected by him. And that, uh, and I'll share a quick vision with you. The Lord had gave me a few years ago that helped me with um, 
any, anything that has to do with the praise of man. And I was in a situation where people were asking me to do something that was contrary to my values. And I had a vision of me as a brand new baby, red wrinkly skin, you know, can't open my eyes, anything like that. And the Lord had me against his chest. He had his shirt off. And, uh, and I was just this, and I was butt naked too as a little baby and just right up against his chest. And the camera kind of zoomed in on the back of my neck and, and the, I had a tattoo on my back of my neck. And like tattoo, you can't like get it off, right? So it, it said Elohim in cursive. And Elohim is the word for God that means creator and judge. And the Lord said, I'm the only one who created you. Therefore, I'm the only one who has the right to judge you. Therefore, and he says, I've already pronounced my judgment over you. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. So I feel like that's a, that's a word for you. He's already pronounced it. He's the one that who created you. He's the only one who has the right to judge you. And he looks at you and says, I did real good. Nobody else has the right, the legal right, to judge you. God has the legal right to judge you. And he's already pronounced it. You're his son. He sent his son to pay the price for sin for the, for the legal right. So, bless you. Uh, oh, and then Laura, uh, Laura and Brian Pulliam, there is a uh, Athens Academy student whose name is Drew Fan, who had a skateboarding accident, head injury. And right now, the prognosis is that he is not, he's not going to live. A teenager. And Jessica was telling me, you know, Brian had gone down there last night to visit with him and the family, and uh, I, th I don't think he's coherent or anything, but he, uh, Brian had gone down there, but it, Apart from God doing something, he's not going to live. And when Jessica told me, I just I immediately thought about Lazarus, about how Jesus wept. You know, it's a sad situation. And, but Jesus wept and mourned, but he also went and, and called Lazarus out of the tomb. Where it looked like there was no hope. They had, he's wrapped in clothes, and he's been dead for three days. And so nothing's impossible with God. And our responsibility is just to agree with what God has said. So let's pray for this, this student. Father, we pray for Drew Fan. Father, we speak to him resurrection power right now in the name of Jesus. Drew, we command life into you. We command your head, your brain to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we declare life, life, resurrection, life, resurrection power. Nothing is impossible with you, Jesus. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice, and you still raise the dead to life. So, Father, we thank you for that, Lord. We declare over the fan, uh, family life in the name of Jesus. We declare over Drew life, resurrection. Drew, rise up in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. Well, we have the extreme honor of our great friends, Chris and Amber White, here this morning. Y'all have heard us talk about them. Now you get to put flesh, beautiful, glorious flesh, <laughs> on the names. And uh, Chris and Amber, we, Jessica and I were the youth pastors at Convergence Church up until uh, 
2000, uh, 2008, we had a uh, thriving youth group of 12 people. And uh, it was it actually was thriving, but it was just small. <laughs> so it was a great youth group. And then uh, Chris and I moved on to a different role at the church, and Chris and Amber became the youth pastors, and overnight it grew to like 80 kids. And so just goes to show you need to operate in your anointing, all right? So, uh, no, nah, it, uh, it was good. I always joke around about that. But we, when we first met Chris and Amber, we became, it was like instant friendship. Like we had known each other all of our lives. And, I mean, me and Chris were immediately joking around and, you know, going, doing stupid guy stuff. And, and uh, it, was, it was amazing. And so they've been friends ever since then. They're on our board of, our, of the awakening. So these guys help us make decisions that, that steer our church in the direction that God wants us to go. They're invaluable to us. They've got two wonderful, beautiful children. They've got Keen, who's seven, around Zuri's age. And they've got Naya, who's three and a half, who you've seen around here, who's beautiful and full of joy. And uh, we're so honored to have them. Chris is going to share this morning. They're in town up until uh, they're leaving Wednesday, but they got in Friday. And uh, we're so honored to have them. And so, Chris, come on up. Amber's in the back. Wave your hand, Amber. So y'all give, give Chris a round of applause here. He's in there. Wow, you guys are blessed to have Travis and Jessica and their family. I'm telling you, man. It's, uh, it is a true act of God that we are still where we are and we're not here. Because if it was fleshly, we'd be like, yeah, we're, we're, we'll move. Because we just kind of want to be here so bad. So, um, yeah, we, we, uh, when, we, when we come here, we don't always know everybody, but we really... Um, we feel really connected to you guys, and we really have a heart for this community. And, um, you know, we, we wish we could just come for several weeks and just kind of do a whole bunch of campfires and hang out and get to know all y'all. So we really want you guys to come over whenever it is, if it's uh, tomorrow night, right, or to the next night, whenever it is. Please come out. We just really want to meet you guys, hang out. Um, so I'm going to do a little pre-message message. Is it okay? A little pre-message, a little warm-up message to the message. Uh, but uh, uh, Travis wanted me to share this a little bit, and I, I want to share it because it's really uh, fun for me to share this. Um, so our, our church back home, Convergence, um, is uh, we're doing this thing with an organization called Revive Texas. It's and so we're going out, and we're just sharing the gospel. It's really complicated. You go out, and you tell people that Jesus loves them. <sighs> I don't know why we haven't done it before, but uh, uh, anyways, we, we, we were like, you know, because as a church, as our church is we, back there, it's like we want to make, you know, we get like, we want to help each other, right? And so we just start doing life together. And we're like, oh, yeah, there's this whole world out there that's rotting and going to hell and has no hope, no joy. Let's share some of this with them. And so we were like, we need a little bit of organization. So our church kind of wrapped up in this thing called Revive Texas. And what happens is you go into a big room and a whole bunch of people sit around. And you don't even know half the people in there or anybody in there. And they just put you on teams and you go out and you just say, can I pray for you? 
And that's how you start. You just walk up to people and say, can I pray for you? And then there's a little Bible you can walk through, salvation message with them. It's real simple. So I got in a, I got in a car with three people I've never met before. And we, we said, where do we want to go? And then you go, you got to be really spiritual about where you want to go. Because you got to hear God exactly where you're supposed to be. Because you don't want to be somewhere where you're not supposed to be. You want to be exactly where God wants you to be. So we went to the mall, the food court. Because that's where God is, right? Every time. And I was a little bit hungry, so I'm not going to lie. I was okay with that. It's like, Jesus, you're speaking to me physically and spiritually. Okay. So uh, we went to the food court. And, uh, and on the way there, I was like, okay, God, give me a download of like, what I need to be looking for, right? You guys done some treasure hunts and stuff like that? And you kind of like, this wasn't like a treasure hunt exactly, but it was similar. And I was like, okay, God, give me something. He said, okay, just be looking for like a, like a walking stick like a cane or like a little, just one stick That's what I got. Like not a walker, not a wheelchair, specifically just like a walking stick. And so I told the guy who was the leader of the group, I was like, I feel like the Lord told me this. Help me find it. So we walk into the food court, and if that's the first chair of the food court, there was a lady sitting right there with a walker, with a walking stick. In the first chair, not the second chair, in the very first chair. But I was already past it. I was like, he's like, right there. I was like, oh, wow. I wasn't ready, you know. So I walk up to her and I said, hey, can I pray for you? And, um, you know, what's going on? And she's like, yeah, you can pray for me. But she was kind of hesitant. And she said, um, I've got a lot of medical issues, but I don't want to tell you about them. I said, no problem. just want to bless you. Can I pray for you? And she said, yeah. And, uh, and her granddaughter was sitting there with her but had gotten up to get the food. And so she, she said, oh, my granddaughter, just pray for my granddaughter. She's, she's, she's in, really involved in church and goes to a youth group all the time. I'm like, okay, but can I pray for you? Like, I kind of really wanted it to be about her, you know. And so she, she said, yeah. And instantly, I cannot explain this to you guys. This is just a word of encouragement. I'm telling you these stories to encourage you because you can all do the same thing. I had... Very little compassion for this woman when I walked up to her. I had care for her and, and like this thing. I was like, I need to do this, but I didn't have it in my heart. And when she said, I have some physical issues, but I don't want to tell you, tell you about them, she turned to me. The compassion of God just hit me so hard, I almost started crying. My eyes started welling up. And I was looking at this lady, and I was like, this is from God, right? And I said, you know what? I've got a daughter who we've spent a long time in the hospital for. And so I really want you to know that I really care about you, and I don't know what you're going through, but God, mostly, he really cares about you and, and really is interested in partnering with you through this process. So let's pray. She closed her eyes, and tears just started falling out of her face before I even said anything. She just started bawling. And it was just, it was the presence of God. It wasn't like anything I said. It was truly the presence of God, and he just overwhelmed her, and she felt that God sent me there to, to talk to her, which is cool. Boom, closed the book, could have walked out, that would have been fine. But I was still a bit hungry, so I went and got some food. And the rest of my team, you know, they tell you not to walk up to everybody and bombard people with like four people, like four people walk up to you and go, hey, how's it going? Can we pray for you? What do you need? <laughs> Jesus loves you, I promise. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, so... It's, you know, they tell you, like, one or two people go up and kind of talk to people. So I had gone off, and, and the Lord told me on the way to Chick-fil-A to buy somebody's meal. And, you know, I was looking for a single person, but there was a mom with four kids there. So 
I was like, Jesus, let her order. She ordered, and I went, hey, can I, pray, can I pay for your food? And she was like this. She was like, she's like, I was like, can I pay for your food? She goes, oh, my gosh, really? Who does that? No one is that quick to accept, right? You know, most people are, like, a little prideful, and they're like, oh, no, let me pay. No, she was right away. She's like, really? Put it back in. I was like, okay, that's Jesus, because she really wanted me to pray, pay for that food. So I, I paid for her food, and I, I prayed over her and her family and stuff she was going to, you know. It was really awesome. It was really cool. It wasn't like a huge deal. It was very simple. It was just a, like, okay, pay for her food, bless her, pray over it. Like, that was awesome. It was a little bit, you know, small on the scale of someone growing an arm, but it was pretty awesome in the sense of just connection. And so we, we uh, I go back, and there's, they're sitting at another table. My team had sat at another table, and they were talking to this, this uh, couple, and uh, so I didn't want to bombard, and so I ate my food, and they were really receptive, and they were talking, and it was a, a guy and a girl and their little two-year-old son, and, um, you know, they looked like they didn't go to church. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not judging people, but, you know, just, and they were even kind of saying, like, uh, well, you know, we should go back to church. You know, we really want to, and, and so they were receiving the word, and it was great, and so, uh, I, I stood up and walked over to the guy. I felt like I had a word for the guy. And I just said, hey, the Lord says that you're a leader, but you're not going to lead with like a, because this was a big guy. He was like big barrel-chested, kind of worked out guy. And uh, I said, Lord, you're not going to lead by strength or by like out of your own power, but you're going to be a leader uh, out of your love and compassion. And he goes, you think so? Like for real? Like he couldn't believe I was saying that. I was like, yeah. I said, that's what I feel like the Lord's telling you. So he goes, well, well, thank you. That's all I said to him. We walk off. By that time, two of my people had sat down with another couple of guys over here, and they led one of the guys to the Lord right there in the food court. Fully gave his life to the Lord. They asked him three times, like, are you sure? <laughs> okay, but are you really sure? Because <laughs> it means this. Okay, one time, one last time real? You really, really, really want to do this? I mean, it was for real. He really wanted it. Led him to the Lord. And this guy that I was talking to before walked up with his kid, and he walked up to me, and he said, uh, hey, thanks for coming talking to us. These are people I did not think wanted to talk to us. If you looked at them, they looked like the kind of people that would not want you to talk to them. Okay? But they wanted us to talk to them. They loved it. So he walked up and, and wheeled up, and he said, hey, man, thanks for praying for me. I, I I used to be in Young Life. Do you guys have Young Life here, right? Uh, I used to be a Young Life leader, and, uh, you know, I messed up. And he pointed at his son. And uh, he said, so, you know, I, I couldn't do that anymore, and I just haven't been back to church. And it's, I just looked at him and I said, do you feel shame for what happened because your son was born? And he hung his head. He didn't try to fake it. You know what I'm saying? Like, people are like, oh, no, no, I'm fine. No. He hung his head and slouched his shoulders completely and said, yeah, I do. And we were connecting on a heart level. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not, it wasn't no more just communication. It was a heart to heart. And he just said, yeah, I do. I said, guess what? You didn't create that baby. 
Jesus created that son of yours. He has destiny in this world. You too are supposed to be his parents. You're right where God wants you to be, moving forward. I just started speaking life into him. I said, you're going to move forward with grace and peace and love and joy because of this child you have. And you're going to use, and I just started speaking into him. I had no idea what I was saying. I was like, blah, 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 blah. But Jesus was like moving, and I'm like, this, hopefully this is good. I'm looking at the, the, the girl that was with me. I'm like, is this good? I don't know, Jesus. And it was just like, he was like, his whole countenance changed, and he totally turned, like, happy. He's like, I've got to get your phone number. I want to come. I want to visit y'all's church. Where are you? Like, he's totally a different person. We didn't move 20 feet the whole time because Jesus is at the food court, obviously. So <laughs> we didn't move 20 feet, and all of that happened in less than one hour. Come on, people. All right? Can I get an amen on that? That's not about me. That's just about what Jesus wants to do in this earth. And it's just about living your life normally and speaking out into people's life and releasing love into the world, releasing his love, right? It's about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to segue, it's about being the kingdom here and bringing part of what's there here and releasing it. That's what we're called to do, just that, right? All right, that was the pre-message. Okay, now we're going to get into the message. You want to say something? Quick. Yep, yep. If, you, if you're like, you know what, I'd like to be equipped with, to tra- for evangelism. Like just, even if it's, it's like, you know what, I just, somebody telling me how, hey, just say, can I pray for you? If you feel like you like, I desire evangelism training, raise your hand. All right. I just want to get a quick survey because it may be coming down the pipe. Who knows? Hey, here's the thing. is it's, it's, it's really not really an option for you. I just hate to say it. I mean, you can want like, evangelism. You can want it. Just give in. It's who you're created to be. We are God's rescue plan. That's why we're here. So it's not about, like, standing up on the corner and just yelling at people or anything. It's just about sharing the love. Does, who, who in here has experienced the love of Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. Now, okay, that's your, that's your team. That's the team. If you've experienced the love, right, then you get to just go give that love. That's a, how many people have told somebody that, about a really great movie that they've seen? Raise your hand. If you can tell somebody about a really great movie, people, you can tell someone about a really great God. It's that simple. Right? If you've been like, oh, my gosh, this movie is great. This happened, this happened, this happened. You can do the same thing with Jesus. Oh, my gosh, God is amazing. He did this, this, and this. Same thing. See how the voice worked? Just the same thing all the way across. All right. Just saying. It's good. It's fun, too. Okay. Um, so um, I've got a really light subject. Just a really, just a light little, sweet little encouragement for you guys today. All right? And uh, I'm just going to tell you the topic, and I'm going to kind of tell you where I want to go, and then we'll get there, all right? So uh, let's, let's get into this right here, right? When you woke up this morning, you're like, man, I need to hear a sermon on repentance, <laughs> right? I just need to repent, right? Nobody wakes up with that. I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not like, I don't, I'm not like, gee, I need to repent today. 
but I'm going to, I think I've got, the Lord has given me a little different um, take on it, okay? But this is where it's going, all right? We're going we're gonna to talk about repentance. And so just so we know that we're all on the same page, I'm just going to kind of outline what, what, what I'm talking about uh, through the message today. And that is uh, Jesus Christ suffered the penalty of our sins so that we can repent. Repentance is a change of heart and mind that brings us closer to God. It includes turning away from sin and turning to God for forgiveness, and it's motivated by love for God and a sincere desire to obey his commandments. Does that all sound good to you? That's a good thing, right? So I, I know that growing up, you know, repentance was kind of like a difficult thing, like, oh, gosh, it's something I need to do. Like, I did something bad, so what do I do after I do something bad? I need to repent because that's what I'm supposed to do. Well, you know, I really want to move away from something that we do into a lifestyle of who we are. Just embracing it for what it is. And it's that thing, that little thing, no matter how little or big it is in your life, that you can just get rid of and just repent and in love come closer to Jesus, which is what we all want, right? So that's what I'm talking about. All right. John the Baptist, I'm going to deal a lot with uh, what he says here, but John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So the kingdom of God is where, is what we're created to be a part of. Um, I'm just going to throw this, I'm just going to throw this up there just so we don't have to look at the word repent. We're going to look at, we're going to look at a kingdom. Okay. Just so in your mind you feel better about what I'm talking about, so you're not going to feel like, oh, no. So, all right, so there's lots of different kingdoms, right? And there's a lot of different uh, uh, ideals of the kingdom in the Bible, a lot of different concepts of what the kingdom is. So just putting something that looks pretty cool like a kingdom up there. All right, so I'm just going to kind of talk for a little bit um, and kind of set the stage. So at the close of the... Um, of the Old Testament, at the end of Malachi, you, you kind of, you have a nation of Israel, right? And they're, they're back in, in Palestine, and, 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 but they're under Babylonian captivity, okay? So they aren't in control of their nation, right? They're not in control. Um, uh, and they are under the domination of the power of that day, which was Persia, okay? And so they were completely beset with, like, weakness, but they were united. The key word there is they were united. They didn't have schisms or, or political um, factions of any kind. They were weak. They were beat down. They were ruled over. But they were united as a nation. Okay? Okay. So then what happens? God doesn't speak for 400 years. There is no record of God speaking at all for 400 years. So then we have where the New Testament starts. All right? So basically when you open up to the book of, of Matthew, you've got a different situation happening with the nation of Israel, you've got uh, you've got Rome is now the dominant power, uh, and Rome has kind of spread out 
to every part of the civilized world by this point. Um, and the center of power has moved from the east to the west, and it's moved to Rome now. And, and, but uh, pa Palestine, is, it's still like a, it's a puppet state, but they do have a king now because they wanted a king, right? They were ruled over, but they still wanted their king, all right? So just to set the stage, uh, you have uh, a king on the throne, uh, but he's a descendant of Esau, not of Jacob, okay? Um, and then you have high priests that are in religious authority. They're no longer from the line of Aaron, all right? You can't even trace their descendancy back. These high priests are basically just politicians. They're in it for the money. So you have a king that shouldn't be there. You have high priests that shouldn't be there. Why? Because they wanted their nation to be like this concept. They, this is the concept of who they were. This is, this is the end goal. The kingdom of God for them was a physical place on earth. And in order to have a physical place on earth, you have to have a king. You have to have high priests. And when God doesn't speak for 400 years, what do you do? You just make stuff up, people. You just do it in your own power, right? Because it looks good, right? When God's not speaking, you're like, well, I just should do this then. Okay, I'm just going to do it. And, you know, and after 400 years, you can imagine the mess that they were in. So uh, the temple was no longer the center of the Jewish worship, and, and, and it had been, you know, destroyed and built half a dozen times. And then basically they had moved to, like, synagogues in each of the cities. So there wasn't a central place of worship. So everything we're talking about here moved from a place of united, bad, hard times, not easy, but united, to, okay, we're going to give you this, we're going to give you this, and now they rose up and started setting up all this stuff, and everything became divided, right? King that shouldn't have been there, high priest that shouldn't have been there. Uh, then you have all of the Pharisees, Sadducees, and Essenes, and you have all this, all these parties that are you know, divided, just division, 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 and division, right? Did they get any closer to that? They were probably closer before, right? I'm just going to say. But under their own power, without God, their kingdom that they were trying to, to get to started to become splintered. It started to become unrecognizable, like didn't even know who was leading and why you should do what. And, and they were doing things in their own power, Okay. Now, I know that y'all have never done that before, okay? I'm just talking about in the past, right? I'm not talking about us because we hear God every day, every second of every day, and we do everything perfectly. We never do anything in our own power, okay? But for the other people in the past, this is what they did, and that was a joke. We all do that, right? <laughs> we all do that. We all. Has anybody ever been somewhere in your life, and you're like going and going and going, and you're like, Jesus, how did I get here? when I'm trying to follow you. But I'm like way over here, and I was trying really hard. I was the king of the karate door knockdown for Jesus, people. When I was growing up, I had plans. I had things I was going to do in the name of Jesus. I would be like, bam, knocking that door down. Woo, I'd get way over here, and Jesus would be like, uh, I just was, after the first door, I wanted you to turn left. Oh, man, I was about three years wasted. Okay, so I'd have to walk back repent and go this way, right? You know, it's like we all do that because that's what happens whenever you do things in your own power. Like you try to get to your ultimate scenario of what your kingdom looks like and you, we, all, we all do it. So they did it a long time ago. All right. So 
Not a great situation. So I'm basically just going to read uh, this. Here, we, got a, we got an amazing slide next. Here we go. That was the cue. Look at that. Let you know where I'm talking from. All right. Matthew 3. Get out your Bibles or your phones or uh, is there any other way? Uh, glasses with glasses with the little Google glasses. Anybody got those? But I'm sure most of these people, most of you guys have this memorized from heart, so just memorize the whole thing. Um, I'm just going to kind of read through and just kind of talk as, I, as, as we go. All right? So Matthew 3, uh, 1 through 12. This is the first time that Jesus speaks in 400 years. If you were Jesus, right, if you were God, creator of the, of the universe, and you hadn't spoke for 400 years, what would you say? <laughs> right? Be like, yo, what's up, people? Here I am. Like, you know, like, this is what he says. In the days uh, when John the Baptist came to the wilderness of Judea proclaiming, here it is, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's what he says. After 400 years, he says, repent. And there's a reason why he wants them to repent because the kingdom of heaven is near, right? Go, go back one slide. Let's see how good you are. Man, he's good. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is near. That's what everybody's thinking. That's what John the Baptist is thinking too. He's thinking that. How could John the Baptist know that Jesus was going to die on a cross and raise three days later? He had no concept of that. There wasn't, that had never happened. That was not an option for him. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. He's still thinking this. Right? And he's still thinking that. Okay, we can go back to the other slide. Thank you. All right. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. For he is the one about whom Isaiah the prophet has spoken, the voice of the one shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing uh, made from wild honey. I mean, sorry, made from camel's hair with a wild honey. Sweet. That was gross. Made from clothing that was made with camel's hair, leather belt around his waist, and a diet consisting of locusts and wild honey. How awesome is that, people? I love the fact that Jesus doesn't speak, or God doesn't speak for 400 years, and then sends that guy. <laughs> you know? He's like, I got a message that cannot be delivered in the traditional way. It cannot be delivered in the way that you are used to, because then you will think along those lines, and then it will give credibility to whatever faction is saying it whether it's a Pharisee or a Sadducee or whether it's this political person or that person, whoever he gives that word to, all, they're all going to go to that, right? They're going to create the first church of whatever that is somewhere, right? And they're going to worship that way. You know, he brings this guy from the wilderness in a packaged up in a crazy, crazy way that messed with everyone's mind. And it didn't make sense. And that's always the way that God works. Almost. Sometimes God shows up in the building and he brings complete structure and order. He does. Sometimes he just messes everything up. Just messes it, right? You don't know why you're laying on the floor crying, but he's doing something. And, you know, it's like when the presence of God shows up, it doesn't always look like we think it's going to look. In this case, we have John the Baptist, and I love that. Okay? Um, so the people, uh, then there were people from Jerusalem as well as from Judea and all over the region around Jordan. They were, they were coming out to him, and he was baptizing them in the Jordan River uh, as they confessed their sins. 
right? That's part of the salvation process is repentance. Repentance of your sins, confession. That's the way we get to where we need to be, ultimately. He says, um, well, then the Pharisees and the Sadducees come up, and they were coming to be baptized and said to them, you offspring of vipers. He had a hard time explaining himself. I don't know. <laughs> you offspring of vipers. They're like, uh, what? Uh, yeah. Um, and then he said, <laughs> He says, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Okay. John wants them to get what they deserve, doesn't he? He's bringing it. It gets way worse here in a second. This is easy. He's like, you offspring of vipers. He's trying to say like, whoa, 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 whoa. The second that you guys feel like the ruler of the new kingdom is coming, you want to get on board with them. Because you want to keep make sure you keep your power, don't you? You want to make sure that somewhere in that kingdom you've got a nice place to live. Oh, 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 well, we don't really know who the leader is, but, you know, oh, oh is he over there? 400 years, nobody's spoken. Here he is. All right. Here I am to get in line so everyone knows that I'm doing the right thing. And John sees through it immediately, right? Calls them out and says, you offspring of vipers. He says, therefore... Uh, Produce fruit that proves your repentance. Here's the word repent. Produce fruit. Repentance always yields fruit. If you repented and there's no fruit in your life because of that repentance, keep trying. Go back and check your heart. Because then it was just an external thing that you did to make yourself feel better. And that's not, that's not a love relationship, Right? If I was just like hanging out with Travis, I was like, dude, I love your shoes, dude. Your socks are awesome. You're amazing. Right? If I just did that all day, like, he'd be like, but do you, do you love me? Like, do you really? He'd be like, just because I flatter him or do the right things, just, we do the same thing with Jesus. We do the same thing with God. We just do it because we feel like we should. But, but there's a heart issue here, right? It's not something that we do, right? It's something that we are. It's who we were created to be. We were created to repent. So he says, therefore, produce fruit that proves, repent, that proves your repentance. And don't think you can say to yourselves, oh, we have Abraham as our father. Uh, for I tell you that God can raise up children for Abraham from these stones. He's like, it doesn't matter about who you are. It doesn't matter about your lineage. It doesn't matter. Like, it's bigger than that. All right? If we don't worship Jesus, who is? Who's going to start worshiping? Rocks, people. Before I came up here, I was like, Jesus, I sure hope that I had the right word. Please help me. He goes, Jesus said this. He goes, dude, if I can speak through an ass, I can speak through you. You're good. So I felt really important at that point. So uh, he kind of put me in my place, and I felt really great about it. But it's like that he's going to get his, right? He's going, to get his, he's going to get what's coming to him. He just wants us to share in it. He wants us to be a part of it. That's why he created us. So this is really, really an awesome thing here to repent. Um, and then, um, then he says, even now the axe, this is where it gets awesome. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. He's like laying into them, right? Because he is still like on this vengeance thing, and he doesn't understand grace quite yet. Um, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one coming after me is more powerful than I am. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
uh, and his winnowing fork in his hand, and he will clean out his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the storehouse, uh, but, the, but the chaff he will burn up with inextinguishable fire. He's basically telling them they're going to burn forever. And he kind of smiles inside. He's like, <laughs> like, you know, it's just this intense thing that's like, this is what is coming. But he, he honestly doesn't really know what's coming. He knows what he's supposed to do in the moment. And it's amazing what he's doing. But as far as talking about the kingdom of God, he doesn't understand the full revelation of what that is quite yet. Okay? So then we go into the next slide, which is amazing. Yeah, look at that. Matthew 4, 17. Um, and so basically this is, so Jesus does, you know, he's like, the first account of Jesus, we understand what he did, you know, at the, at the wedding. And then he, basically at the start of his ministry, his official ministry, he goes out and gets into the wilderness, right? Does everybody know that? And uh, gets tested, right? So he comes back and now he's ready to go. Jesus is now ready to start. And this is what happens, Matthew 4, 17. From the time Jesus began to preach this message, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Is there something, is there something important here? God doesn't speak after 400 years. Speak through John the Baptist. says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus starts his, mess, his, his official ministry and says, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. So, Jesus says the same thing that John the Baptist is saying, but he means something completely different. Okay? He's saying the same words, but he's not meaning the same thing. Okay? He didn't come, right, in the hopes of, you know, that any should perish, right? I mean... He's like, man, I got this awesome plan. And, he, and he's trying to walk it out. But he says the exact same thing. And so here's the difference, right? So here, here's, here's, the, here's the shift that he's hoping that we all get. I'm going to tell you what I think about this. It says, if repentance leads us to an earthly kingdom with earthly treasures and earthly status, right? If repentance leads us to those places, which is what... Let's just be honest, this is what the Pharisees and Sadducees, the political leaders of the day, that's what they were hoping for. They were like, okay, I got to repent, okay, because I get the kingdom. Repentance leads to the kingdom, right? I want to be a part of the kingdom, so I'm going to repent so I can get er an earthly kingdom with earthly treasures and earthly status. If that's what we're here on this earth to do, to be a part of, I don't want any part of that. I don't want to have anything to do with it. There's no life in that. All you're doing is meeting your selfish desires. You're literally just making yourself feel good. If you're doing it so other people can see you, if you're doing it because you were just taught it, that's great. I'm not, this is not a condemning word at all. This is an encouraging word for you guys. Like, you, Repentance isn't this thing where it's, I got to do this because I know... I've been taught my whole life that when I repent, I feel better about myself, and God likes me more, right? And then I get to, 
I get to go on with my ministry, and I get to do things I'm supposed to, that God's called me to do. And I get the stuff out of the way that, you know, or I sweep it under the rug for a little bit until it comes back. But, you know, it's like it's this thing that you do in your own power, right? Ultimately, I'm not saying that you do this. I'm just saying in general. Repentance in that concept is not something I want to have anything to do with. And I, and I, I, I know that you don't either, right? If it leads to anything earthly, earthly treasures, earthly status, anything, and that's just something between you and God. I don't want to have any part of it. But if, if there's a kingdom that is set up in heaven and that's brought to earth by Jesus and deposited inside each and every believer to walk out in power and authority and selflessness, and we need to repent to enter that kingdom, I want all of that I can get. I want all of that. If that means that I get to be a part of God's great, amazing rescue plan in this world, and the power that he holds in heaven is given to me, and I get to walk in that kind of authority, and I get to walk up to people and tell them how amazing they are, and I get to pray for them to be healed, and if I get to prophesy over them, if I get to do the stuff, you know what I'm saying, the amazing stuff of God, if I get to do that, and if I get to be a part of that, and I get to have a piece of that that actually lives inside of me, an actual spirit that lives inside of me that houses the presence of God, if I get to become a temple and I get to lay myself down for that, I want all of that I can get, right? That's what we're created for. That's the kingdom that Jesus is talking about here, and that's where repentance leads us, okay? Matthew uh, eleven eleven. you know what's coming. There it is. It says, I tell you the truth, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Now, if you're John the Baptist, you're like, ah, yep, right? Basically, of anyone that has ever been born, anybody ever been not born of a woman? Don't answer. Um, I tell you the truth, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than than John the Baptist. That is pretty awesome. Then he says, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. So the greatest person ever born is less than the least in the kingdom of heaven? What does that mean? I'm not, not going to get into a debate, but I'm just going to say that if you're in the kingdom of God and you fail miserably at your whole life, you're still better than John the Baptist. Okay? I'm just, tr I'm just trying to read what this says here, right? Does that have anything to do with what you accomplish in this earth? Does it have anything to do with your abilities? Because John had great abilities. Probably a great speaking, you know, speaker. He was a leader, natural-born leader. Who's not going to follow a guy that looks like that, right? In spite of everything, he was a leader. He was everything. 
but it has nothing to do with what you accomplish in this life. It only matters on who you belong to. Who do you belong to? If you belong to Jesus, if you believe that he died, rose again, and you accept him into your heart, from that very moment on, you're greater than John the Baptist. I don't even know what that means. I'm not even going to try to assume I know what that means, but that's just what the Bible says. If you are a part of the kingdom of heaven, it says you're greater than him. Because it's not about what you accomplish. It's about accepting your inheritance as who you are. And that's it. It takes all the striving out of it. All right. Uh, last, yeah, last Bible verse here. John 14, 12. It says, I tell you uh, the solemn truth. The person who believes in me will perform them will perform the miraculous deeds that I am doing and will, and will perform greater deeds than these. So, either he means that or he doesn't. That's as simple as it gets. Either that's truth or it's not truth. I'm going to believe that that's truth. Okay? Um... So basically, there's a kingdom that is alive inside every single one of us who believes in him, okay? That kingdom allows us to know God intimately and to walk in community with him and with others to see his will walked out while allowing heaven to spill out onto this earth and for us to do greater miracles than he did. That's what that means. Does anyone's life, don't raise your hand, does anyone's life look like that? Would you say that you're walking around being like, I'm doing greater miracles than Jesus did? My life doesn't look like that, okay? I'm just going to be honest. I want my life to look like that. But is it possible for all of us to do that? Is it possible for all of us to actually enter into the kingdom of God on such a level, on such a love relationship, to walk in such community, to receive the fact that we are not going to build our kingdom anymore because we know where it goes, right? We aren't going to build the kingdom of the picture that we saw up there earlier. That, that's not our goal. Our goal isn't to... Is, isn't to like get to this place where, we're, where, where, where we have arrived. Our goal is to lay ourselves down every single day so that he can be lifted up, so the power that he, that he holds in heaven can be distributed into us so that we can walk it out among each other and then spread it to the hurting world around us. That is what we're created for. And to do it with joy and to do it through the hardest of times and to never lose hope, never lose faith, and for everything that comes into your life to be something that gets you closer to where you are supposed to be. That's not going to happen by going from mountaintop to mountaintop. The only way to get there is through valleys, through hard, hard, hard times that you can't even explain. But those are the things that define you. Those are the, defi those are the things that just puts the kingdom of God in your heart where you can say, 
without a doubt, I have been through hell. And I have come out on the other side of it. And Jesus is more real now than he ever was. And this kingdom that's inside of me, I'm determined to walk in greater miracles than, than he did. I'm determined to do that. Now, if there is an answer, if there is a key to unlock revival, if there is an answer to unlock what we're talking about here, where does it go through? It goes through repentance. Repentance is the key that opens up the door to the kingdom of heaven. John the Baptist said it. Jesus said it. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's not the kingdom that we can see, right? It's something far greater. It's so far beyond what makes sense in our minds. It is so unbelievably just standing in awe of how amazing it can be. <sighs> and repentance is what's going to take us into the inner parts of that kingdom. I, I don't know a single true revival that's ever happened in the world that wasn't uh, pre-predecessed. That's not the right word. pre pre There wasn't uh, uh, um, preceded. Good word. Uh, that wasn't preceded by repentance. I'm talking about a group of people who just are on their face, sobbing, just repenting for everything that they have ever done. Who wants to carry this stuff anyways, people? Who wants to carry it? Nobody wants to carry it. But we carry it like we own it, like we're excited for it, like our pride. We carry our pride. Guys. Girls, too. Guys. Okay. We're proud, right? We're, we're kind of, we're, pri we're prideful guys, and we don't even know when we're being prideful half the time, and we just got to lay it down, right? We carry that stuff. You know, who wants to carry unforgiveness? If I was to say who's got unforgiveness in their heart towards somebody, come on, people. We carry it around with us. We say we don't want it, but we allow people to live rent-free in our hearts by, by, by keeping them in unforgiveness, by releasing them. Who wants to have the person that you don't want in your life living in your spirit? Just release them, Right? You don't want to carry that stuff. Nobody wants to be angry. Nobody wants to, like, talk bad about people behind their backs. Right? But we all do it. It's the little things, right? There's so many little things in our life that we just so, sort of overlook, like that's just our character or something. And it's not. It, you, we need to repent. And it's not like, oh, we just need to just, Okay, maybe you need to get on your knees and just really repent. But if it's a part of who you are, if it's a part of your lifestyle, these things start popping up, right? Like, oh, my gosh, I'm holding this person in unforgiveness, and I'm, I'm kind of mad at them, and it's not worth it. It's not worth it because I'd, I've forgiven the person before that, and it felt great. And it was happened in love, and it was joy, and it was wonderful. So I'm going to do it again real easily. And it starts to become a lifestyle, and you start to just sort of like – Lay your anger down. Lay your pride down. And then there's some stuff that's happened to you that you've never told anybody in the entire world, and it was done to you, or you did it to someone else, right? And, you're, and it is eating you up. 
inside. Okay? God wants to set you free. He wants to release you from that. He wants to bring people in your life that you can talk to, that you can say, you know what, this person did this to me when I was younger, and I, have, and I hate them for it, and I, won't, I have never forgiven them for it. There's a lot of stuff from large to small that we can just live a lifestyle of repentance that's really, really going to change the atmosphere. It's going to change everything if you just repent. Because you're not repenting because you have to. You're not repenting because someone told you to. You're repenting because it's keeping you from that ultimate love relationship that you can have with the creator of the universe who knows you more than anything. Like, why would you ever want to drive a wedge between that? Like, you just want to remove every single little thing, right? Just remove it. You just want to remove every little thing that could be possibly be in the way, like as fast as it possibly happens. And you want to love other people so they can do the same thing. And you want to pour into their life and help them do the same thing. And as a community of people who are following God, you can repent. And through that repentance, it leads to walking out your true destiny. Like this guy you were talking about before um, that he said, uh, I'm going to throw you further than uh, you could ever run. You know, it's like this is, this is an honest statement. God wants better for you than the best option you could ever think of. I'm not saying don't have dreams and visions and go for something, right? But the truth of the matter is your wildest dreams pale in comparison to his reality for you. And we want that, don't we? Would you, would you dare? Okay, don't answer this. I, I was not a good student. Uh, but would you dare not study for a really big test? Uh, I would say yes. But, but you guys would never do that, okay? Uh, um, I wasn't as driven, probably. I was DJing a lot when I was in college, and it's a little bit more important. So, um, um, but, right, like, if you had a test, if you, if you knew something was coming up, like, you wouldn't just be like, no, not going to study for that. Not, I don't care. Like, if you cared about it, you'd, you'd study for it, right? You would do what it takes to do it, right? If you knew that there was more for you, wouldn't you do it? If you just knew there was more for you. Like, if there was something beyond what you could, like, you're not ever going to arrive, so stop trying. You're never going to get where you need to be and say, I did it. Now, you might have goals, and you can reach those goals, and those are wonderful, right? But you're never going to get to a place and stop, right? You're always going to be in process until the day you die. So just be always thinking, well, there's this thing out there that's probably better than I could ever imagine. I can't even think how to get there. So let me just live a life that's quick to repent and just laying it down so that I can, because the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is, is near to you at all, at all times. And we want more of it, don't we? So there's nothing that you can do to get there. Could John the Baptist have done more? Could we, could we have done more to make God love us anymore? Is that, is that even possible? It's not possible. The, I mean, we could have just like, 
you could have mic dropped after your word this morning and I could have just been happy. Like, you cannot do anything to make God love you more. It is impossible, right? So when you stop trying to earn his love and you just learn how to receive it, then you're released from a whole bunch of stuff. Performance goes out the door, right? And you just receive his love. And then you wake up one day and you're like, man, I haven't had to kick any doors down in a long time. He's just been opening them up and I've just been walking through them. And I'm somewhere completely better than I ever could have been before. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Walking in his power, right? The story I said before the message, the priest, priest message message, that stuff just happens regularly. Just this is normal. We were at the we were at the aquarium, and we're just cruising somewhere in a hurry, and Travis wasn't, so he stopped and prayed for a guy who was who had a, a he's on crutches. He's like guy with crutches, got to pray with him. I'm like we're going this way. He's like kingdom of heaven's over here. I had no idea, but kingdom of heaven was happening right there in that moment. He prayed for that guy. Simple, right? It's just simple stuff. Just like repentance. It's actually pretty simple. It's like, let's get the stuff out, right? Let's get the stuff out because we want the kingdom. We want what God has for us. We want everything that he has for us, right? So closing up, we, we don't want to build it ourselves, right? We saw what happened, right? We don't want to build the kingdom ourselves. We don't want to do it for, for selfish desires or so we can get anything out of it. We're supposed to lay our lives down. And through that process, we can realize that the kingdom lives inside of us. All right? So I'm open to whatever you want to do, whatever we want to do. If you got a, a clear word, uh, bring it. And if not, then we'll just kind of go into some ministry time, pray, whatever. Yeah. I just feel like y'all stand up. We just want to, you know, open up if any our ministry team. Um, if this is your Sunday to do ministry team, come on down. But if you've done ministry team before, we might need a few more people. But I just encourage you. This is just a good time to repent. And a lot of times, if God's, I, I want to encourage you. He's like, God, is there anything I need to repent of? Back when we were at Convergence, this happened one time where. One of our elders said, I think this is, God's wanting us to repent, so just ask him. And I said, Lord, is there anything you want me to repent of? And he said, Don't, you, you crave the praise of man. And I said, is there anything else? <laughs> and Because uh, I didn't feel convicted about that. But he said, you crave the praise of man. And I'm just like, okay. And so I, I went up to one of my, our elders. I said, hey, Gary, I'm just kind of doing this in faith, man, but. I uh, just want to repent for craving the praise of man. <laughs> and like godly sorrow hit me as I just obeyed the Lord. So there's times where you may not even, you just obey the, the voice. The voice is why it's, of God is so important. So if there's anything you need to repent of, just take a moment. God, there's no shame in repenting. There's only shame in keeping it. There's only shame in not going to the cross because that's where shame dies is at the cross. All right, so ask the Lord. Um, and then you got some music, but hang on just one second. You go ahead.
All right, so, um, like, this is family, right? Do you guys see it that way? Because I do. And um, some of you are carrying around immense pain. And it's the kind of pain that you don't really talk about. And you don't want to talk about it because it's embarrassing for whatever reason. But I just feel like the Lord is saying, like, today is your day. Today is your day. And you don't have to come up and, and just explain everything. But he just wants you to do what Travis said. He just wants you to come up. He wants you to say, like, I want to get this out. You may not even know how to. He just wants you to make a decision to, like, start the process. Some of you guys don't take, don't think that just because it's a little thing that it's not important. I don't care how little it is. The Lord is calling us to repent today. Today. Right now. In this moment. His holy, precious, loving conviction is in this room to help us move into a place where we can be closer with Him and just stripping things away. Right? So, Heavenly Father, I pray right now for those of us in this room that Jesus convict us, God. Bring your holy conviction into our hearts, God. And no matter how big or how small we think it may be, God, we just want to repent. We want to get whatever is keeping us from you. We want to remove it out of the way, God. And even if we have no concept of how it's going to happen, we just know that we need it. Lord, move in us to have to have the, the to be brave enough to take a step today. To step out and just say, God, meet me. Meet me, God. So right now he's moving in your heart. He's moving in your heart. Will you just be open enough to receive it? And I don't normally do this, but can you let's just let's just kind of get in a receiving situation. How do you however you receive? I like to receive with my hands open up. You guys can do that. You just want to do it internally, whatever. I just feel like he wants us to take like a physical kind of like move our bodies into a situation of just like I want to receive from you. I want whatever you have right now, God, and I want to be moved into a place where I can operate in fullness in your kingdom and walk in power and authority, God, and I want to remove this stuff in my life. Lord, lead us into this place, Jesus. Only you can do this. This is not my from my words. I do not want my words to influence you at all. I want his Holy Spirit to just settle in your heart and move you into that place. So we'll just spend a little bit of time you guys spend some time with Jesus here to see what he wants to do with you.
So right now, I'm gonna, if you've got something in your heart that, that you want to repent from, you don't even have to come up and, and to the front to the ministry team. I just want you to come up front. If there's just anything in your heart where you're like, Lord, I just want to repent. And you just let's just come up here because we're going to do it together. Right? Whatever we do, we're going to do together. So there's something that you just say, Lord, I want to repent. Let's just bring it up here. And then I want to worship. Is that okay? The words of the song say it. So let's just worship. Right? And the Lord is going to do work here. So let's go ahead and turn that up. As we continue to worship, if you want, if you want personal ministry, just come on forward. Just kind of come all the way up. If you really want, if you really feel like you want someone to actually pray with you, so just come on up. Trust you. I know that I can trust you. I know that I can trust you. I lean on. 
I want more. 
if some of you guys could really relate to maybe the guy at the um, the food court who um, who had been a young life leader, but have that like head hang shame. Um, there's none of that in the kingdom of heaven. So it's a new day. Today is the day of salvation, and and you you know Jesus never changes. He didn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We tend to go on these journeys thinking we're real strong and can build kingdoms of our own, like Chris said, but we really suck at it. And so if today was the day you realized that you suck at it, that's cool. It's a great place to be. So you just turn and look at Jesus. And I just want to tell you that people will not bring you back to the kingdom of God. Like people are in the kingdom of God and people are here. And we love you, and we want you to look at Jesus. That's the only place where you're going to find healing. You're going to find restoration. You're going to find joy. You're going to find freedom from the shame is repenting and looking at Jesus. And so I just want, I want us to, to take a minute and just really look at the one at the one who came, and he's reaching out, and he might have this morning pulled you out of of the miry pit, out of the nasty, and he's putting your feet on a rock, and you've got choices to make. Today's the easiest one, you know. You look at him, you're like feeling it, but your sin is going to be there when you get in your car, when you get up in the morning, and you've still got choices to make. So we want this moment to give you courage for that moment. So Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you come and you give us red flags. Open our eyes to see our sin for what it is. Open our eyes to see our counterfeit lovers as empty, hopeless. Come, Holy Spirit, and give us courage to say yes to you, to look you in the face, and to keep saying yes. And when you're silent, that will keep looking at you and will keep saying yes. Forgive us for making stuff up. Today, the enemy has been dealt a death blow in so many lives. I just feel like today really is like you're putting your flag in the sand and saying, this is different. This is different. If that's it for you, if it's different, just know you've got a real enemy. He hates you. And he hates your flag in the sand. He hates your decision for righteousness. He wishes to steal, kill, and destroy you. The Savior of the world came to give you life and life abundantly. Life and life abundantly. So if it's not life and life abundantly, it's not from heaven. It's not Jesus. And we're your kids, God. 
We need a daddy. We need to be kids. Show us how to be kids. So we go from here knowing the author and perfecter of our faith is not us, but is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Reign and rule in our lives. So I just want you all to look at me for a minute. Jesus died on the cross that we could be saved. End of story. He died. He robbed hell of our soul and rose again. Okay? He went to heaven because he's not here. Right? Okay, that's what the Bible says. He's not here. He went to heaven. But he left the Holy Spirit. And if you leave here and think for a second that you can keep living under the, the conviction that you're in right now, outside of this moment, then you have badly mistaken. You need Holy Spirit. Jesus went to heaven and he left Holy Spirit. And that might be a piece of your story that has been missing in the most recent. It's a piece of my story that's missing as I'm repenting this morning. His Holy Spirit has to come. We can look at Jesus. We can see what he did, but we have to have Holy Spirit convicting us. We have to remember that it's the fruit of the Spirit that lives inside of us, not the fruit of Jessica or the fruit of Thomas. So it's not, yes, you're going to fall. You're going to look at your sin, and you're going you're gonna to want that counterfeit lever, but you get up. You get up. Holy Spirit will help you. He is the helper. Get up. Don't look at yourself fallen. Get up. Don't talk today about all your sin. Talk about getting up. That's what, that's what Holy Spirit is looking up at. He's looking at you getting up. All right. We love you guys. You're champions. You're champions when you're willing to look at your sin and call it what it is and look at Jesus. You're a champion. Jesus. Talk about Jesus today. We love y'all. Have a great time.